Hi, I'm Dubba, and this is the MTF Podcast. Today, how to get ahead in the music business. Hannah Overton wasn't always a powerful and respected music exec. As a teenager, she loved music, wanted to work in music, had no idea how to go about it, and so she just made a start. Today, she's general manager of Secretly Group, a collection of independent record labels that represent artists like Bon Iver, Unknown Mortal Orchestra, Angel Olsen, Moses Sumney, Sharon Van Etten, and more. I spoke to Hannah at Unconvention in Manchester, and we talked about the process of getting into the music business, which isn't always a straightforward affair. There's certainly more than one way to do it, but Hannah's got some great advice and some useful insights into the world of independent music. Here's Hannah Overton. Hannah, thanks for doing this. Thanks. Okay, so tell me a little bit about your journey, because you've ended up basically being at the heart of the independent music industry. Yeah, I, um, I've i always been a, well, I've been a music fan since I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, I love music. I grew up in the middle of the countryside. I grew up in the middle of the North Yorkshire Moors National Park. So I was not surrounded by music. Right. Um, and, I, you know, I, I fell in love with music by listening to the radio. When I was 14, my family moved across the other side of the country and uh, I spent some time in Cheshire as a teenager, which is obviously accessible to Manchester. So um, I got really into music and I started going to gigs in Manchester. Um, Few and far between, you know, once every few months because as a teenager, you know, you've got to persuade somebody's mum or dad to drop you off or pick you up. But I just, my, my love of music just grew and grew and grew. Um, but I never thought I could ever work in music. It just it didn't even cross my mind because I didn't know anybody who worked in music. Um, it seemed like a far-fetched thing that people like me don't do. Right. So when I got to university, um, I started meeting people who did work in music. I got involved in the ENTS committee at Newcastle University, so I helped them put gigs on. Uh, we had a great venue space in the union um, and the, in the late 90s. Uh, bands used to tour Newcastle a lot, and um, this is when UK tours used to be a little more comprehensive than perhaps they might be today. Mm-hmm. Um, so Newcastle University was on the circuit, so I used to work on the door, used to work side of stage, used to help look after the artists, and I just gradually met more and more people in touring parties, people from record labels, got involved in student radio, so I got in touch with record labels who would send us music. Um, I hosted a show, was head of music there. Um, when, and then When was this? This was late 90s, early noughties. Uh-huh. Um, so I was at university between 98 and 2001. Right. Back then, some companies liked to have a student rep to rep their brands in local university towns. And I actually became a rep for IPC magazines. Uh-huh. So I represented NME, Melody Maker, uh, Music Magazine, which was a dance magazine, Uncut, um, and Weirdly Loaded magazine. Right, okay. Um, so I got involved in IPC and, uh, you know, met people who worked at the NME and all that sort of thing and, um, and just helped them put on some events. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I met lots of people and I had a moment of clarity uh, during my physiology degree um, <laughs> where I thought, oh, other people are doing this, why not me? So I just then uh, poured all my energy into extracurricular activities mm-hmm. Um, probably to the chagrin of my tutor in the physiology department, um, because that's what I decided I wanted to do. All right. And and to be clear, where has that taken you? Where are you now? So I am currently a managing director of Secretly Group for Europe. Um, Secretly Group is a group of three independent record labels, um, Dead Oceans, Jag Jaguar and Secretly Canadian. We release music by bands such as Bonavere, 
Sharon Van Etten, Shame. We've got some brilliant records coming out this year by artists like Stella Donnelly, um, Faye Webster, Shura. Um, so it's a brilliant, really exciting place to work. So what does a day at work look like for you? Ah, uh, my day at work. Well, I, I try to get in early before everyone else to, you know, clear my head, make some coffee. Unfortunately, um, fortunately or unfortunately, I've got some keen young staff who um, try to beat me into the office now. Uh-huh. Um, so I, I spend my day sometimes doing a bit of A&R, sometimes talking to our artists. Um, I do lots of one-to-one mentoring sessions with my younger staff. Um, I approve budgets. Um, I look at a lot of emails. <laughs> um, occasionally, I, th- I think everybody's <laughs> job is look at emails. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, you know, I started off doing creative. I started off doing A&R. Um, and I still do some of that, and that's what I really love. Um, but I also love inspiring people and mentoring young people. We have various different aged staff, uh, secretly. But I do, I do like seeing young people progress. Um, we have a really nice gender split in our office. Um, as well as people from different backgrounds. So it, it's nice to be able to do my bit just to help change the music industry in a tiny, tiny little way. Right, right. I mean, there have been a lot of changes along the way since you started. I mean, you're talking about 98, 99, 2000. I, I always sort of think, you know, post-Napster but pre-social media, that sort of five-year gap between 99 and 2004 was a really interesting time where everybody was trying to figure out what to do. Do you think we're sort of come anywhere sort of sensible since then have we ended up in a new industry it's not a new industry it's a changing industry um and i you know i spent a good part of my early career worrying about music leaking and um that affecting our release plans Mm -hmm. i don't worry about music leaking anymore um it might do but it's on such a small scale and music fans don't really seem to want to get a dodgy downloaded audio pirated stream um so they they wait for it to come available because a lot of people have got a spotify account so why would they need to you know get a leaked version of an album so i think we've taught people that they have to respect music Mm -hmm. and there is a reason for that but also there's no shortage either so people aren't sitting around waiting for new music to happen no so i think yeah um Streaming legally has um, made music more accessible, so we don't need to worry about piracy too much. Yeah, but social media, I mean, has definitely made things change. It's made you more accessible to your fans, but it's also made things a bit more stressful for the artist. You know, you have to be better at more things, where arguably, many, many years ago, all you had to be good at was making music and performing on stage. Um, so there's a, lot of, um, there's a lot of weight on the shoulders of artists these days. It's a 24-7 process of making sure your social media is up to date and uh, you're making content all the time. It was said a lot, uh, particularly sort of in the early days of the internet, that we're not going to need record labels anymore. You know, to what extent has, not that we don't need them, but to, to what extent has the role of the record label changed? I think um, labels are still needed to perform similar functions. So people need... Um, they need to create music and they need to create it brilliantly and then they need their music distributed and promoted. And record labels perform a really important function for that. And I think one of the best ways that a label can support their artist um, is to facilitate their vision. 
And I think artists who work without a label sometimes don't have those complete teams around them to help do that. And they don't have those complete teams around them in every single territory. Um, I think the A&R process is really important. And the A&R process starts with the writing and continues right through the marketing and promotion of an album. Um, and artists who are missing that, I think, will will struggle to get their complete vision out into the world. Mm. Yeah, you, you say A&R quite a lot, like it's a thing that everybody understands, and it's, it's kind of a dark art. People don't really know what the A&R process is. How do, you know, how do bands get discovered in inverted commas, and, and how is that process taken through from there? Yeah, well, I, I guess I use A&R quite broadly. Um, you know, when we talk about artists and repertoire, um, it's a very old-fashioned term, and it's about um, matching vocalists with songwriters, and that's not quite the way things work these days. But, I mean, scouting is one thing we can talk about. Um, an artist can be discovered in many ways, and it can be through social media, it can be through SoundCloud, but it can still be by supporting an act mm-hmm. in a in a regional town. It can also be... Um, getting to know your local rehearsal room um, and forming a great relationship with a manager of that rehearsal room who might tip somebody off. Um, that's quite old-fashioned, but it's, it still happens. You know, I think an artist needs to get really good at the music and really good at uh, creating this world around them. Mm-hmm. And then at that point, when they know what they want to get out into the world, I think that's a good place for a, a record label to get involved um, but when I talk about A&R with artists that are already signed, I'm talking about the conception of everything creative that they do. So making sure that the songwriting is good enough, making sure the artist has had enough time um, and the right environment to write the best songs that they possibly can and then be able to record them in the best way that they possibly can. And sometimes they might not get it right straight away, so that's giving them a co- the confidence um, and the facility to, to get it right. But after that, I think once the music's right, it's important to get the story right. Everything has to link back to the music, but the visuals, the video, the photographs, the way they portray themselves on social media needs to have a strategy behind it. Mm -hmm. Um, And you need to hone in on the essence of that artist if you want people to really buy into what you're doing. Right, right. I mean, you have visions of uh, artists being groomed and given a haircut that doesn't suit them or, or these sorts of things. But I guess from the independent sector, it's very much about bringing out the, the true character, I guess, of the, yeah. of the artist. Yeah, and that's what I mean by distilling the essence. Um, it's, it's not about haircut or what clothes you're wearing. It's, it, it's about what's important to the artist. What are you trying to say to the world? Mm-hmm. Do you have something valuable to say? Um, if you do, and if you can find a way to connect with your audience, that's when you're going to be successful. It, it sounds like you had, I mean, the way you tell the story, that you, you were doing physiology and then you decided to be in the music industry and then just all the doors opened for you and then suddenly there you are running this group of uh, independent record labels. What's been hard along the way? What have the challenges been? Um, things that have been hard. I mean, I uh, had a job on reception for a year. That was my first job. Um and I was very happy to have that job. Of course, it wasn't my end goal. I didn't want to be a receptionist. Um, but that allowed me to meet lots of people, find out what everybody did in the record label, and work out what I wanted to do. Right. Um, I mean, still at that point, as a 22-year-old female from North Yorkshire, I didn't really set my sights on A&R because I didn't think that was something that I could really do. Mm. But a job opened up at the company I worked for. And because I was the most enthusiastic person 
in the company and I went to every single gig I could because I was so excited to be able to go to gigs for free. Plus I was skint. Plus I didn't really have any friends because I just moved to London. Uh Um, They said, well, why don't you do Hey Now, Hannah? And I said, me? Really? Um, And they gave me an opportunity. So I started off working in publishing and I just threw myself into it. I just went to every gig I could. I met everybody I could. It was was almost like blind dating the music industry. You know, I'd, somebody would say, oh, you should meet so-and-so. And I'd, up the phone call them email them um and just meet somebody for coffee take them for lunch meet them at a gig um how much of that is bluff how much of that is is you know this sort of you know i do a and r so therefore you will meet with me uh is is that sort of confidence built into that sort of uh, presupposition of the title or i mean you say i wasn't particularly confident at the time Uh but i had a focus like i had a job to do so that's what i put my effort into Mm -hmm. i needed to create a network around me and i didn't have a network and you know the a and r fraternity was friendly in one way in that people love to meet up and talk but also not that friendly and it's quite cliquey so you know there was a lot of men wearing the same clothes driving the same audi cars um and i definitely wasn't part of that subset but but that's okay because i could go off and do my own thing and were there any ways in which that was an advantage to you? Um, I, I found it quite tough early on as as a female and being quite young. Um, I found a lot of older managers didn't take me seriously. Right. So I'd perhaps make first contact and then they'd just want to speak to my boss. Um, that was quite hard to deal with. I don't think um, a man in the same position of me would have had such a hard time. Mm-hmm. Um, although... On the plus side, people remembered who I was because there just weren't many female A&Rs at the time. Um, and the other more senior female A&Rs I met were very supportive. Um, I could always call them or email them. I would meet up with a few people occasionally and um, that would just help to bolster my confidence in that there were other people out there doing it and being successful. Right, right. And presumably now that you have this management role, you get to choose who, who these younger people are in the office with you. To what extent does your experience sort of uh, impact on the choices that you make? Well, I try not to hire through my gut instinct because I think that um, homogenises the industry and I think that's why we have a lot of middle-class white males work in the industry because people do hire with gut instincts. I've tried not to do that. Um, I try to hire for the team, not for the position. So I know if we're missing something in the team, if we're missing somebody with electronic music knowledge, then I will prioritise that. If we're missing somebody from a different type of background um, and we have artists from that background, then I know we need to recruit somebody who can offer that experience when we're talking about creative and marketing. So I try to be quite strategic when I'm hiring, but I always hire the best person for the job, which has meant we have a really nice, fairly equal gender split, which also means we have people from different backgrounds. So that's really helped me to focus on what we need as a company, Mm -hmm. because I believe that diversity increases creativity. And the more creative we are as a company, the more creative our artists will be, the more successful we'll be. And ultimately, that will lead to us having higher revenues. So it all makes sense to me in my head. Absolutely. So um, the journey that gets you where you are today has been also characterised by a lot of changes in technology. And obviously, you know, you, you've gone through the MySpace thing and then you've gone through all sort of the, the download platforms, the LimeWires and those sorts of things. And, and we've ended up in a really interesting place, I think. To what extent can you use that strategically now as a group of record labels? Uh, it definitely makes me look at things. When new technology comes about, I think I'm interested in it. 
and we should consider it. Um, but also we need to consider the longevity of it. You know, do we pour all our energy into getting a Bebo account? No. Um, you know, my space was brilliant at the time, but it faded away. It also makes me look at the company and how we operate. You know, you have to look at the long term, the longevity of any different systems you put in place. I think we look at streaming now, and I think when we stream music in 10 or 20 years' time, we'll laugh at the functionality of some of the streaming services now. They're just not good enough. You know, the interface isn't good enough. We can't get in-depth with our artists. Um, you know, we know the technology is out there, but as a music fan, when I was a teenager and I used to buy my CDs, I used to read the booklets from cover to cover. Yeah. We are not allowing people to get that in-depth with the artists. I think people do want to see who produced the album. They want to know what a producer is and what a producer does. I remember looking at publishing credits thinking, what's a publisher? Yeah. So can't we allow people to be curious? And if we let people be curious, that will inspire their curiosity and allow them to get into the act in a much deeper way. Mm. I wanted to ask you a little bit about the fact that you moved to London and the fact that there is this kind of... Um, I don't know if it's a myth or, or whether it's something that, that is just a fact of the music industry, is that if you want to go to the next level, you go to London or you go to LA or you go to New York and the, there are these kind of centres and despite all the technology in the world, that is still, a, all right, I need to pack my bags, I need to move to London. Is that still the case? Or I mean, moving to London specifically for me was always, um, was always something I wanted to do. And um, so it wasn't just the music industry that was attracting that. Um, to me, I, I wanted to give the big city a go. And I'd, I'd grown up in an extremely rural place mm -hmm. and I wanted to try something different. I mean, I still love the countryside, um, but I've, I, you know, I've chosen to be in a big city. Um, but you absolutely don't need to do that. I think um, there's a vibrant music industry all over the country. And the beautiful thing is music really attracts entrepreneurship. So if there isn't something going on near you, the chances are that people want there to be. So perhaps you can create it. The, the entrepreneurship thing is, is really interesting because it feels like a new term in the context of the music industry. I mean, obviously, in the independent music sector, people have been entrepreneurs forever, but this idea of entrepreneurship as an activity that people aspire to and, and want, that seems quite new. Um, is this idea that the professionalization of independent music, is that kind of what's happening or is there some other kind of cultural phenomenon that sort of makes entrepreneurship and particularly entrepreneurship and innovation are usually grouped together as these things that people now do and that's how they make a living because it's 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 never been the greatest get rich quick scheme in the world has it and entrepreneurship suggests that money is the object so what's the connection there between sort of indie I guess indie labels indie managers indie artists and this sort of badge of entrepreneurship well I think tech and music are quite closely linked. Um, and obviously there's this idea of entrepreneurship in tech is, um, you know, is, is all over tech. And I, I, can't, I don't see why the two can't be interlinked. And of course there's always been music entrepreneurs and it's how every independent label started. It's how every independent promoter started in every venue. Um, I think putting a label on it can really empower people. Um, and it's important that people should feel empowered to go out there and come up with fresh ideas within music. And I, I also think in this digital world where we can communicate remotely, um, 
we, we can be connected with people in a way that geographically we couldn't previously. I think that does give people in remote locations uh, fire to go off and start their own thing. Uh, what are your biggest challenges right now and what are you most excited about? I think our biggest challenges at the moment are within the industry, um, working out how the streaming industry fits in with the old model of physical records, about how the per stream rate works, how an artist can look at all its different revenue streams and make a go of it. Um, it is particularly difficult for artists to begin their live career right now, um, and that's such a driving force to get people listening to music, um, that there is a little mismatch between the record industry and the live industry right now. Um, I think the live industry perhaps should be putting more money into artists at the beginning of their career to help right. get them going. Um, but also the, the difficulties are being heard. There's a lot of noise out there. There's more artists than ever putting music out. So as an artist, how, how do you get heard? How do you rise to the top? Um, so I, still, I, think, I think we're still working it out. Okay. And uh, you said you were really excited about some new stuff coming out soon. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. We have um, an incredible raft of young artists coming through secretly um, this year. Uh, we've just put a record out by Duran Jones in the Indications. Um, that's um, a, a band originally from Louisiana, now based in Indiana, um, they're doing. They're making incredibly beautiful, sweet soul music uh -huh. for 2019. Um, they're a really great live act as well. Um, we just put out a wonderful record by Sharon Van Etten. Um, you know, she has a really brilliant fan base already, but this record is just incredible. Um, she's um, she's really matured, and uh, it's a, it's a real grown up record. I think a very very confident record. Um, we have a couple of new artists, which we're very excited about. An artist called Stella Donnelly um, from Australia, but uh, born in Wales. Um, she talks about contemporary issues um, that women are faced with today. Um, and she, she does it in a brilliant way. Um, we're working with an artist called Shura, who is um, an alternative pop artist. Again, she has made a really beautiful record all about falling in love. Um, which, you know, she's put her own spin on it, and um, it's, a, it's a really gorgeous record. Um, we ha also have another artist called Faye Webster um, from Atlanta. Um, she's actually emerged from the hip-hop scene, but she's making alt-country. Alt uh -huh. um, it's a really amazing mix. She's also an incredibly talented photographer and works as her own right as a photographer. Um, she's still 21. Oh. Um, she's done amazing things already. Oh. So, yeah... Uh, Tons of amazing music, and um, we have an artist called Shame, who are writing, who will be back very soon, no doubt. Um, we have some brilliant artists on our roster, who I hope we'll be hearing new music from soon, including um, artists like Angel Olsen and Bon Iver, um, uh, Slow Dive, um, you know, lots of... Lots a new of Slow Dive artists. record would be great, I'd, I'd have to say. I completely agree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, if you could sit down with... The young you who just arrived at university, what sort of advice would you give? Hmm. Um, ask more questions. Don't be embarrassed about asking questions. Um, because I think it's really easy to think, oh my goodness, I should know the answer to that. So I'm too embarrassed to ask. Um, but I think as a young person, um, the assumption is you know nothing. So 
if you always act with the assumption that you don't know anything, but there's a lot to find out, you will find out quite a lot. Fantastic. Hannah, thanks so much for your time. Thanks. That's Hannah Overton, General Manager of Secretly Group in the UK. And that's the MTF podcast. If you can think of someone who would benefit from Hannah's advice, please do pass it on, especially if doing so would result in more diversity and representation throughout the music industries. That's us for now. Have a great week, and we'll talk soon. Cheers. Cheers.